Okay, cool. Hi, this is Charlie Peck from the Thriving Educator Podcast. We've got Brian Martin on. Brian, I am so glad you're here. We're going to have a great conversation. First of all, welcome. Yeah, well, Charlie, I am super excited to be here and and grateful. I am a huge fan of everything Charlie Peck, so (laughs) I can't wait to dive into this. Well, what people probably know by now is when we say that to each other, it means we're huge fans of each other. And I'm really not trying to be kiss ass there. And I know you're not either. We truly are. You know what it is? It's a supportive network. I really believe that. So that's, I mean, for people who are just kind of listening now, like Brian and I have been spending time talking before we recorded. We're like, wait, why are we not recording? Like, we got to get this out there. There's so much to talk about Um, because we're all doing really important work together, right? So, okay, I'm first going to tell people about the Teaching Champions podcast because you're a total natural at that and you have so many good topics. So just tell people like, what is it that you're covering and why are you, why do you have a podcast as a second grade teacher? Yeah, you know, the Teaching Champions podcast, it's just going out there, seeking out uh, awesome people, people that have a special special message that they're just sharing it and, and can influence the way that we think. I guess it all started because I used to be a basketball coach and we would drive, I'm rural Western New York, and we would drive like an hour and a half to two hours for all our away games. So there's a lot of late nights. And uh, me and my buddy, who was uh, the assistant coach at the time, we would just sit next to each other and we would just have these long conversations about everything under the sun. And listening to him, He's a gym teacher, huge basketball guy, but he's connected with all these other people. And I'm like, there's so much that, you know, from the sports world or from the music world or the mental health world that people we niche down and sometimes we don't hear those other voices. So I guess like the Teaching Champions podcast is all about like exposing people to all these different uh, thoughts, ideas from every walk of life. And you know what? I can learn from you. I can learn from somebody that is a musician and how they run their classroom. So I just think, uh, you know, if we broaden our perspective, if we sit down, we slow down and we listen, there's so many ways that we can grow. It is so true. Like even music teachers, they have a certain way that they approach teaching that so many other teachers need to learn to adapt, at least a part of it. Mm-hmm. Because mental health actually like is so linked to music and how calming and soothing, or I get to jazz us up too, um, but it, it is all linked. And I think if, if we all find that common thread or a piece of what somebody's doing and just kind of implement it in our work and just try something new, that's mm-hmm. really important. So that's what your podcast actually does, because it really does have a great variety of people and voices. Yeah. So I appreciate that. And just like your podcast, I've been uh, diving into that. And I love the, the people that you bring in and the questions, the hard questions that you ask, Charlie. I love it. <laughs> it's, it's funny when it like, I, I guess I don't hold back too much. Sometimes you just got to ask those hard questions and see what people are going to say, because how are we going to change anything if we don't ask, if we don't find out? It's funny because I'm the sixth child of, well, I have, there's six children in my family. I'm the baby of six kids, right? Mm-hmm. And all of my siblings are a little different. And my one sibling, she's like, I really wish I was as bold as you are because I would, I would be able to do more and take more risks. And I'm like, you know, I've gotten in trouble <laughs> sometimes <laughs> in my life doing that, uh, but it also has helped kind of move me forward. And that's what we're, after, we're talking about that today is embracing failure 
and being okay with failure, growth mindset, building confidence, taking risks. And we, as the adults have to just set that up for the kids, right? So, okay. Here's what I told Brian, everybody listening in here. I told him, I love that you're coming into this as a second grade teacher, because we talk a lot about older kids and we have to dive deeper with the little ones because all we do there affects what happens to them later. Okay. So let's talk about that uh, confidence building and letting them be good failures. What are your thoughts mm -hmm. around that? I think that's huge. I think how we set failure up inside our classrooms, it is so important. When I talk about like, I'm down there with the young ones, seven years old with the second graders is what seed am I planting when they come into my room about failure? And, you know, we talk about taking all these different perspectives. I guess, you know, I listen to a bunch of things. So I listen to a bunch of business podcasts, even though I'm not an entrepreneur, but I love, like, I come from the teaching mindset. So I need to listen to people that are completely different to me to really understand because not every kid should have my mindset. And I hope they don't on certain things. So I was listening to, uh, like, Sarah Blakely. And if you don't know who Sarah Blakely is, she's the founder of Spanx. She's a self-made billionaire. And if you want to talk about mindsets, just, uh, you know, YouTube Sarah Blakely. She's got so many unbelievable things out there. But she talked about when she was younger. And this is something that when I heard it, it stayed with me. And it's something that I always want to give my students. She said when she was, you know, she's a young child. And she would come home with her brother from school. And her dad would be waiting there. And they they go in and they sit around the dinner table. And she said her dad would ask her every single day, what did you fail at today? She said he didn't care. He didn't want to know, you know, did you get 100 on that spelling test so I can hang it on the fridge? His whole question was, what did you fail at today? And she said, that shaped her mindset that failure wasn't not achieving something, but true failure wasn't trying. And then she also said that, you know, another important piece of that is her dad would always ask her, you know, what did you learn from it? So what did you fail at? What did you learn from it? And she said, you know, when she founded Spanx, that she had like $4,000 in the bank account. She said that at the time, you know, the, the female undergarment business is all run by old crotchety men. So this is, you know, it's not yes. like it is today. So she's trying to break into this business and she's talking about doors being slammed in her, her face, times where she's driving and she just has to pull over to the side of the road and cry. But the important thing is she never gave up. And she said, if it wasn't for the seeds that her father planted at such an early age, then she would never have been able to handle those trials and understand that failure isn't not being successful. Failure is just not trying. Oh my gosh. Okay. Failure is, is not, hold on, say that again. Failure is not being, no, I didn't say that right. Tell me. Yeah, so, so failure is, uh, line is framed it along like failure is not, you know, if you don't succeed, that's the not the way failure. you said it is so important. So how did you just say it? Like failure is not being not successful. Succeeding. Yes. Okay. Yes. Fa yeah. Failure is not being successful. Failure. True failure is not trying. Trying. Not trying. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I, well, really, you say that, and I'm like hanging on every word because it really is that powerful. 
And that message is either going to make or break our kids in our system. And mm -hmm. how many times do you hear about kids and their behaviors? I mean, it, it sets them up that way too, right? So yeah. if we look at them and label them like you're a failure, you're moving too much in my classroom, therefore you're bad. You're not. Um, so what are like, think about mental health here for a second mm -hmm. and how that can be carried on with a kid long-term. If they're in your classroom, Ryan, which would never happen, that you're not giving that message. You're just saying, listen, you failed. Let's focus on the failure. Let's not, who cares about what else has happened, but you did this wrong and shame on you and blah, blah, blah. Okay. There are kids who do hear that message over and mm -hmm. over and over in their lives in different areas. So now what happens when they show up to our classrooms when we allow them to fail in a way that they feel safe and secure, how does that affect their mental health and well-being and function as they move through a fractured school system? Yes, yes, it's huge. And it, you know, when you want to talk about labels, so I had a student and he shows up to my classroom and school starts. We're in the full swing of things. You know, New York State starts later than everybody. So it was a, you know, late, we start, you know, early September, but this happened like three weeks after uh, September gets rolling in and I get a new student and I'm trying to to find out where this child's at in reading and beautiful young student. We sit down and I'm trying to, to gauge him where he's at and I give him, you know, a grade level text. Can't do it. So, I, you know, I'm, I'm going down smaller and smaller and uh, he looks up at me and he goes, it just matter of fact, I can't read. Mm. And, you know, looking at this young child's eyes, like seven years old, he already labeled himself as that. Yeah. First of all, I said, you know, no way. You know, I gave him a little elbow, you know, a loving elbow. And, uh, of course. That I, <laughs> and I gave him some stuff that he could succeed at. And from right there, right in that tiny moment, it was just like, you know, a, a letter and the sound that that letter can make. And so we started celebrating at that right there. And, you know, one thing that we have when you talk about like setting it up in the classroom is we have these little mantras that we'll say. And we say like, little by little, a little becomes a lot. So, mm -hmm. you know, we're just focusing on that. We're celebrating that. And, I, you know, we got done with that little session. I said, you lied to me, man. You can't be lying to me because you <laughs> are a reader. And uh, so every single day it, it's, you know, finding those small successes to celebrate and planting those seeds. But the, the same thing goes, you know, when you talk about like that growth mindset, you can also find the kids that are ultra successful, that things come so naturally to them. Mm -hmm. And the moment like regrouping in second grade, um, that's more of a difficult topic. It takes a, a little bit getting used to with the math facts. And I had a young man and he, he crushes it. Like it, it came super simple to him all the time. So it's like the first day of regrouping and he struggles at it and he doesn't know how to deal with failure. Mm -hmm. So oh. he, his head goes down and, you know, we've had a lot of conversations to set this up. And, uh, but I said, hold up. I said, hold up. Should you be good at this? You know, should you be good at this? This is the first time you've ever done anything. Should you be good at it? He's like, no. I said, all right, let's let's do it. I'm going to walk you through it. And where, how are you going to be tomorrow? He goes better. And then so so by the end of the week, you know, we're celebrating those small successes and we get to the end of the week and he's crushing it because he picks it up real quick. 
And I said, you know, well, how are you acting on Monday? And, uh, you know, he said, oh, you know, I was frustrated, but I kept at it. And I said, yeah, right. you know, we get back to that little by little, little becomes a lot that we That's get better huge. every single time. So it's, you know, planting those seeds, the success. Yeah. I mean, we were talking before we started recording about your journey, Charlie. And oh, yeah. like with, with the business side of it as adults, yeah. like we need to know the, <laughs> that the first time we do something, it's not easy. It's messy. It's ugly. But if you stay and you persist, how much better you can get at it. Yeah. The persistence is big and it's, it's, per, here's what it is. It's persisting in the direction when you know that it's so important that you have to. Like mm -hmm. there are many times I could have stepped out. There are many times I could, like I've got my license. I'm I'm a clinical therapist by license. I'm actually still uh, a licensed teacher here in Kentucky. Like I could I could go teach. I could go do clinical work easily. Like in a second. There's so so mm -hmm. much man. And so I there are times I was sitting there thinking like, <laughs> what am I doing? That's so that's so steady. And I actually love both of those things. But there's such a need and demand for the work I'm doing on the massive scale that I've literally had in my mind for a good 10 years, Brian, there mm -hmm. was, there was a time while I was teaching where I went and got my master of social work so that I, like, I knew that I was going to use it to understand the system and the flaws in the system and how to improve those because mm -hmm. some of my students came to me on a personal level. So I was like, well, what else is going on here? Something else. They're surrounded by all these adults who care about them. Why are they struggling so much? I didn't mm -hmm. understand it. And then I made a decision I spent about five years teaching them and learning from them, knowing that someday I would be here doing what I'm doing. Believe it or not, I did have this vision. I still have a longer term vision, but mm -hmm. I needed them to inform the work I was going to do. And then I also got to teach like these higher level, like AP courses um, that covered these mental health topics like anxiety, depression, mental health, um, systemic issues, what the education system is like in North America compared to other places in the world and what's working well, what's not all of it. And so what I got to do is pay close attention to those details and gain such a deep understanding so that now when I'm ready, I'm using mm -hmm. all that to inform the business I had to, to create, which I get to create, get to talk about. Now here's right. the kicker and you're going to appreciate this so much. <laughs> and anybody listening to this, who's an entrepreneur specifically, wow, we uh, educators, we're, we have a big heart. We just want to do the work, but we don't mm -hmm. know how to do business typically. So, no. you, right. That's why our connection together and in the net, well, we're in the teach better team connection. We're in that loop together mm -hmm. too, in, in some capacity in the podcast network. I'm in the MBA program there. If you don't know about that, you've got to check that out. But it's, it's people, Brian, it's people who are going to help you keep moving forward. Who've got mm -hmm. your back, even when you feel like you're at your lowest. That's why, you know, two things I love right there that you're talking about is number one, surround yourself with people. All right. Like get that hype team that are going to hype you up, but people that have different skill sets that know things, you know, that mastermind group that you can bounce ideas off of and learn from. And number two, like, you know, I, I've heard you, I've had been blessed to uh, have conversation with you, been blessed to see you speak. And, you know, you have a beautiful confidence about you. But if you just listen right there to everything you just said, that confidence 
was formed by the thousands of hours, all those little things that you've done to build yourself up, to build that knowledge set. So I, I think that's great too. Like confidence just doesn't happen overnight. You got to put in that work. And, but when you put in that work, this is the end result. It, it's freeing. It's powerful. It is confidence and it's good. It's, it's neat to be in a part of your, in a part of your life where you can actually say, yeah, I feel pretty confident about that. But guess mm -hmm. what? When I first did, when I did my first keynote, I was confident <laughs> because I practiced it a million times and spoke on a topic that I knew very well. Mm -hmm. Until you actually throw yourself into the water and start paddling, you really, you, you won't understand how to keep getting yourself through that so that one day you can get to a point of the excited, like excited because you can walk across that stage, get in front of all those people. Mm -hmm. Like, listen, I got a message to share with you because it will help you. But you do like people question themselves all the time and, they, and that's okay. They should, uh, mm -hmm. or they, they could, we say could instead of should, <laughs> <But> <laughs> it is confidence ultimately that's going to help every single one of us in our role in order to improve this mental health crisis that we are in. And it's mm -hmm. it's funny because um, I just spoke with a college class of teachers, teachers who are, they just finished their first placement ever. It's so cute. So like, <laughs> you guys are amazing. And, that's um, awesome. Right. And and why, why are we not equipping them with those skills Mm -hmm. So well beyond lesson planning and, and all of that. And, and I know a lot of us are trying to do that. A lot of people are trying to, but we all only have so much bandwidth and time, but there's what, what I love about what I can do with them is help them infuse it into their mm -hmm. daily practice. And at the end, they're like, oh, wow, like I can actually, when I go do my next placement, I can use this. And I'm like, yes, you can, because it actually does work. And by the way, we're protecting you from overwhelm too. Yes. But who's interviewing here, Brian? Like, I, I need to go back to you here. <laughs> like, like, I feel like I'm explaining all this, but. Well, you got I so much to share. To <laughs> so I think that's great. <laughs> you're sweet. You did warn me that you're going to ask me some questions back. <laughs> but I do, I do want to get back to what you're doing in your classroom because mm -hmm. it's, it's wildly important that you plant those seeds at that age. Right. So right. tell me a couple other pieces of language that you use with kids and that you share with others to use in their classrooms too? Like what is like the number one thing you you have to do with a kid um, in order to make them feel confident about the work they're gonna do? Yeah, uh, number one, I think you need to make them feel safe in the space. Like we, you know, we just got done talking about um, making mistakes and how Sarah Blakely's father planted that seed. So, you know, that's what I try and do uh, right from the get go. So we have this app called uh, Parent Square. It's pretty cool. It's like, you know, we can text back and forth with the parents and, we can also send pictures and, and videos so it can really uh, engage within the classroom. So before I even meet the students, like I, I tape, uh, you know, like a 30 second to a one minute video before they even show up. And I say, you know, I need you to do uh, three things for me. And I said, you know, you need to show up on that first day and you need to smile. You need to tell me stories and you need to come and make mistakes. So, you know, right there and then I want them to hear it and I want the parents to hear it. You know, I want you to make mistakes. Mm -hmm. And then we have a, a daily mantra that we say, and there's a, a lot that goes into it. But, we, you know, one of the things that, that we do is like every single day, this, we call ourselves the superstar scholars because that's super cool. And uh, we, say, <laughs> yeah, we say, uh, you know, every single day, the superstar scholars make mistakes, show grit, work hard, ask questions, be grateful, accept feedback. 
and then we, and then we got a little bit more. But we say that first thing in the morning, and I want them saying 180 times. Hmm. And then, but it's not just like you can't just do that during the the you know a little mantra. It's like throwing you know that growth mindset. We all have the yet posters. You can't just throw a, a yet poster on the wall and say that's a growth mindset. It's you got to take those times out in the class. And when, when they're showing it, when they're showing they make a mistake, how do we react? Do we uh, solidify for them that it's all right to make a mistake? Do I pause and we sell just like we celebrate the successes? I celebrate when you get something right. Am I going to celebrate when you get something wrong, but you put that effort into it and you didn't go, give up and you showed that grit? So it's, uh, you know, making it using our language to make it very visible for the students and to solidify for them that I want you to make mistakes. And then pointing out um, that through the mistake process and the reflection process that we're getting better. Gosh, that's so good. It's so important. That mantra for that, that age group is important because that repetition truly sticks with them. They'll probably carry that with them forever. All right, let's go mm. back to the parent piece because that is huge for these little ones, especially, mm -hmm. especially it's for every single kid. I don't care if they're 18 years old. I know legally, but listen, <laughs> it's nice when they're still living with their parent and you still have a rapport with that darn parent. It's the teamwork there. So what happens when you have pushback from parents with your approach to failure or do you? You know, you know it's fine. I, I usually don't get uh, pushback too much. Um, I will say we had an open house like uh this wasn't this, it was like two or three years ago. And, and the dad, you know, I'm standing by the doorway and his child wasn't in my class, but he, he walks past. And I had all those like that mantra right on above my whiteboard. And he he, he, la he says, make mistakes. And he, he laughed at that. So, <laughs> you know, so I, I just smiled and everything. But um, the parents, they buy into it because I explain it to them. I send that video of Sarah Blakely to the parents and, you know, really talk to them about the power of being willing to put yourself out there and learn from it. I wonder if it gives them a little bit of relief. What do you think about that? Yeah, you, you know, and, and uh, a mom, she sent me a message back and she goes, I need after she watched that video, she goes, I need to take some of that advice because all, we've all grown up thinking that we need to be perfect, that we need that hundreds. And, you know, just listening to different business people, if you listen to enough successful, I was listening to a short YouTube video about Kevin Hart. I mean, oh, yeah. Kevin Hart, super successful. Yeah. I mean, he he was on the Joe Rogan podcast yeah. and he was joking about taking the SATs and, and he, he was saying how he got like a 550 on the SAT because he, <laughs> you know, he, he didn't even care. And he said, oh, you know, he put the Kevin Hart spin on it. So it was really funny. Yeah. But, but he has worked his butt off to get to where well, he I'm, is too, right? Yes, go, go. That, I'm stealing your thunder. Go. No, no. But you're a hundred. That's what he got into right after that. He, he talked about like that hard work, just like you talked about with your business, putting in all those hours, learning, making those mistakes, growing from those mistakes. So yeah, I just think sometimes our kids, I never want a kid to feel because they don't get an A on something at seven years old and label themselves that I'm a failure. I used to coach basketball. I didn't want 
those basketball players to put all their value on whether or not they score 20 points for a basketball game or just see themselves as an athlete. I think it's a, you know, it's super important, like the message that we send and it can't be just one day. You know, I think, you know, John Gordon, one of my favorite quotes that John Gordon says, he always said, and then he talks about like the positivity and negativity, but I take that. And with all this stuff, I think we have very similar thoughts on a lot, Charlie, that, you know, with our stuff, um, he always says, you know, like, you got to feed the positive and weed the negative. He goes, feed and weed, weed and feed. And I, I say the same with like that, the making the mistakes and working hard, you know, we got to feed that mentality and weed out, you know, those, those negative thoughts, those negative mentality, Yeah, you know, well, over and over again, over and over because it's naturally there. It really, that's what we lean towards. And so we've got to kind of pull ourselves out of the stuck part. And I'm wondering, like, is this something you've crafted over time or do you feel like you just naturally are able to pull people out of that. I, I think it's crafted. I think it, it comes from the fact that when I look at myself um, and I, I look at myself growing up, like all the struggles that I had, I used to love basketball. Now, as a 5'9 kid, it's not the average athletic at best you know I still could have been a lot better high school athlete mm. if you know I didn't shut down so basketball was my sport if I went out there and hit a couple three-point shots I was golden but the minute that I missed a shot or two the voice that chatter in my head I just fell apart I look at the military there were moments when I was successful in leadership positions there and moments that I really regret because I just self-sabotaged myself and it was mm. all inner chatter within my mind. So, you know, when I became like the high school assistant basketball coach, I started diving into more like sports psychology and confidence building and the self-talk. And so, you know, I think it was just crafted over time and learning experiences and how to relate to kids and really trying to see it through their minds and how they hold themselves back and just like what you're doing right now, giving people skills and tools to help them, that's that's what I want to do. Yeah, well, you are. So here, so what I've been thinking as you're talking and and sharing all of this really important information, and we already have a rapport, which is nice. Right. But I mean, there even in this conversation where I, I felt like I was talking too much and I kind of did that. And, um, you know, you have a little guilt or you feel like, shut up, right? You got an ego, right. like, shut up, <laughs> whatever, calm <yourself. laughs> uh, And I feel very safe and secure with you. You have a very eloquent way of helping someone like me or especially little ones or other people come back from that very easily. And, and that, that to me is, that's how we have to position adults in the education system is mm -hmm. being able to be confident enough in themselves and, and skilled though. It is a skill, right? Right. Did you, if we're being honest, did you notice that, that I might have a little guilt over that and you're able to, you were able to kind of nicely pull me out of that so that I wouldn't feel that way? Were you conscious yeah, about I, that? No, no, not, okay, not at all. Because no, I, you know what? I just care about what you have to say. Yeah, I think I it's truly, yeah, like I think it was Dale Carnegie who says, if you want to be interesting, be interested. Hmm. And, uh, you know, I think if we're interested in other people and what they have to say, that, that we can do so much. And when, and when, you know, if you want to get into the kids and pulling kids uh, back, you know, seven-year-olds, it's 
they're seven years old. They're going to do some silly, silly stuff. And it's not my job's not just to help them academically. It's that emotionally, that social stuff. And I think as adults to show each other grace that uh, we don't know. I don't know what's happening in Charlie Peck's home that might throw some stuff off. I don't you don't know what's happening in my home. And it's, it's easy to say, you know, show up to work and let that all go. But we all all carry that weight on our shoulders. Yeah, it, it is really important to uh, to understand that there's so much more that we're all bringing in with us. And mm-hmm. we're really good as educators to com- like compartmentalizing. We're really right. good at that. But I always say that's fine because that's part of being for professional, of course. But then there's got to be a way to get that that energy, that energize a charge, that emotional charge mm-hmm. that keeps coming ba- back up. You got to be able to let that go. You got to filter that out because it's held in your nervous system. Yes. Right. And and so we just can't carry that. And that's why we have to approach changing the system by helping the adults too. And I think that's what a lot of adults are feeling. Well, you and I were talking about that before mm-hmm. too. Are you seeing it at your level too? A lot of, a lot of frustrated teachers. Yeah. I, you know, and it, it's funny, like, well, we all have that negativity bias yeah. and uh, just, people get frustrated. I think it's hard emotional work, like teaching, being in schools, dealing with, you know, you're dealing with students, you're dealing with um, parents and it's just a lot. And we talk about, you you have your own home life that, that it's a lot and it's draining. And, you know, I read a book, the author, it's Eric Koch. I I believe the book's called Chatter and he's a gentleman. He runs a program up at, I believe it's the university of Michigan. And the book's all about self-talk. And he talks about, you know, you need that chatter advisors, the people that you can go to that, you know, if I go into your room at lunchtime, it's recognizing, you know, we can release some of that energy, but not so much so that we get sucked in and it just becomes that domino fall. Sometimes, you know, I've seen, and I work with amazing ladies, they go out there and crush it. But, you know, it's easy, like, for that domino to fall when, when someone has a great that mm-hmm. then everybody in the room, we, we don't pull ourselves out of it. And that, that gripes just keep growing and growing and growing. So, you know, we, we have to find those positive ways to, to pull to release, but pull it back in. Absolutely. And that's why those ladies need to need to get together on weekends and have some wine and talk it yes. out there, not at <laughs> school and then move on <laughs> and move on yeah. from it. And adapt, adapt some more positivity, but we do need an outlet for it. That's why a lot of teachers like to get together. I, I don't know about you, but anytime my husband was around at our, our teacher parties, uh-huh. like he knew what he was getting into. Like we teach, <laughs> just talk about teachings a lot. Right. And we got to yeah. get it out of our system, but it's because we care so much and we carry so much. Don't we? Yeah. we really do. And I think it's important too, you know, like when you talk about like, because I don't want to come across all positive and stuff like know your ways to grab your joy in inside the schools because you know there's always going to be those moments that that uh stretch out or, or things that that come through the email but you know taking that walk around the school and looking at some of the smiles um hearing you know sometimes we'll have students outside the classrooms reading and it's just you know I walk past some of my former students and just hearing them read or that they look up and hey Mr. Martin you know that is a little shot of dopamine every single morning uh the kindergarten students 
uh, go, they line up right next to my door. My classroom's the first room in the hallway. So we do a, a little countdown from 10 to zero and, and, you know, and I'll call them like this time of year, hey, my little reindeers or my little gingerbreads. <laughs> and they all giggle. And uh, so they walk by and give me high fives. But you got it. It's like finding those moments that bring you joy, that can bring you a little relief inside your day. Yeah, that's so true. Well, have you ever, I don't know if you've ever heard me talk about having a dream team, same kind of deal. Yeah. Right. Like knowing different people in the building that when you have an issue, that's the person you're going to go to, like across the hall, Steiner, she, if she's listening, um, Nicole Steinberg, which is Nicole Ter Terry Berry now. But um, <laughs> I knew I could just jump across the hall if I needed a laugh and she would make me laugh. I didn't, there was mm -hmm. nothing else I had to do. One time, my friend Nikki, um, there's a little backstory here. So I'll give you a little backstory. So my my sister friend, Michelle. Eight years mm -hmm. ago, she uh, passed away from cancer. All right. Mm -hmm. A couple of months prior to that, she it, it was up towards the end of the teaching, my teaching semester, and she was going to get a surgery that was going to help her like sustain life for a couple more years. We knew it was terminal, but we were going to get a couple more years with her. Mm -hmm. And so she was getting the surgery. Well, right before my fourth period class, which was right after lunch, my 11th graders we're going to come into class there. Right. And I knew that was going to happen. And I got a text and I called, um, Michelle's cousin, sorry, Michelle's cousin, who's I'm fired up. Can you tell I I'm fumbling yeah. up my words. I'm sorry. I'm emotional. Wow. Uh, anyway, so I, I got a call from her cousin. She's like, they opened her up and they couldn't do it. It spread too much. Mm. And that's a lot to carry. That was a lot. Yes. And so I, I just went truly in a, a state of shock. And I'm like, my students are going to be here in five minutes. What do I do? So I, I did the first thing I, the only thing I knew to do was go find Nikki, my other friend, Nikki, mm -hmm. and told her briefly what I can mumble out, like what I'm doing right now. <laughs> she held my hands. She looked me in the eyes. She said, I got you mm -hmm. go home, go be with Michelle. I got your class. I didn't even know how she figured it out. It could have been her planning period. It could have been that she had five things to do in that very moment too, but she got it covered for me. And there are just people that you formulate that dream team that you can just go to for all yes. of those things, because we can't carry all of the heavy weight of education with us every single day. And the other people who are going to get what it's like are other educators. So mm -hmm. that's my oh. long story about that. But thank, yeah. thank you for sharing that. And that's so important having those people in our life. Yeah, it's true. I mean, it it's, there's such a necessity. And I'll tell you, you, again, you and I were talking about this before about like, I stepped out of teaching completely in the mm -hmm. same building for 15 years with my second family. They, they I truly love them. And mm -hmm. a lot of us were there together for a very long time. We grew up together and we also, our kids grew, a lot of our kids kind of grew up. together. So it's hard. It's a hard thing to do, but when you're compelled to do the work that you you believe you need to continue doing, those mm -hmm. people will still be there by your side in just different ways. They'll adapt with you, and I think you can you can understand that too. Hundred percent, hundred percent. You found your fuel, and you know the people that you're blessing, and you're casting like a wider net, and you're influencing so many other people. It's just not in the one school that you were at. Like who you're blessing is all over the country, and uh, you know if you're not international. That uh, you're, you're going international there someday. So <laughs> you're kind. Oh my gosh. 
Well, can you, before we wrap this up, can you talk really quickly about that profession, perfectionist kid popped in my mind again that we mm -hmm. need to protect? So I know you kind of mentioned the, the kid who always, everything came very well and easily to them. Right. But every single person has deficits and I call it deficits, not a weakness, just a deficit. We can fulfill that or just lean towards strengths otherwise, right? Mm -hmm. So how do you approach kids who truly are stuck in the, I, I've got to get this right and I have pressure at home and they're not changing their mind about it. How do you mitigate that? Yeah, you know, that is a great question. And I don't know if I'm a pro at it, but I, I think it's just letting them know, pushing them outside of their comfort zone. But at the same time, you know, holding their hand per se and letting them know I'm right here with you. And I don't expect you to be perfect, but I expect you to, uh, you know, try. And I was just uh, talking with Zach Bowermaster. And, oh, yeah. uh, you know, I, I believe, you know, Zach, I think you're presenting at the same conference he yep. is coming up. Yeah. And he was talking about one of his teachers was talking about love them higher. And, you know, letting that student know I'm going to love you higher. And you loving you higher means you don't have to be perfect. So and yeah. uh, and, you know, with that mantra, you know, I have a bunch of mantras and, and one of them is, you know, fail fast. I'll say fail fast and I'll repeat learn fast. And, uh, you know, it's just, you know, I want you to fail and I want you to learn. And it's all part of the success cycle and being open about myself and my failures, you know, take it to a, a seven-year-old level that's appropriate <laughs> yeah. for, for them, yeah. but uh, giving them real life examples. Or, or another thing that I, I love to do for that perfectionist is... Uh, and I get a lot of practice with this because I'm a Buffalo Bills fan, Charlie. I, I know <laughs> we haven't brought that up yet. It's there and lingering in my mind, Brian. Yes. Because everyone and, uh, by this point might know I'm a Cincinnati Bengals fan and there's a lot back and forth with Bills and the Bengals. Okay, go on. We, we've <laughs> had some fun with that, but <laughs> yeah. using uh, real life examples. So, you know, Josh Allen, mm -hmm. he, he makes a lot of great plays, but he makes a lot of mistakes to a lot of interceptions. So it's great to sit there with the students and talk about, you know, here, Josh, he had all these touchdowns, but he had all these interceptions. Or, you know, the Bills struggled at points this year. And on Monday morning, we sit there and we talk about it a little bit. And we talk, well, what, what are they doing today? Did, are they just quitting because they make mistakes? No, they're in a classroom up in Orchard Park, and they're studying, they're going to school, and they're learning from it, and they're going to show up. And that's just trying to show real life examples too. It's so true. And I love that you tied that right back into football, but <laughs> I mean, we've lost our like a plus quarterback and then we yes. get Jake Browning in and I have been thinking the same thoughts about him. I mean, he's racking up the points because he's not afraid to throw the darn ball and mm -hmm. you are going to get an interception or, or sometimes, right. If you mm -hmm. throw the ball more rather than run it, but he's getting a lot of points and you can't do that unless you try to get that darn ball down the field. Right. So yes. it's, it does, it does show there's so much, there's just so much to share and so much wisdom you have. So thank you so much for being here to do that. It's important. Oh, Charlie, I, I love and am blessed to spend this time with you. So thank you so much. And for all the work that you do, my friend. Wow. Well, we've got a lot more to do together. So we've got to, first of all, share like where people can find you to listen to your podcast, Teaching Champions, where should they go to listen? 
Yeah, Teaching Champions on all the major platforms, Apple, Spotify, or wherever you like to dive into those podcast episodes. Yeah, you do have some truly good ones that any single educator can get something out of it. So please, please go there. And then is there anything else, like anything else you want to tell people like how to connect with you or what else that you'd like to offer them? Tell, tell them about that. Yeah, no, uh, you can connect with me on X, formerly known as Twitter, at bmartinreal, um, on Instagram, at Teaching Champions Podcast. And you know what, I just... Uh, if you have any questions ever, reach out. If you just want to talk, reach out. I love meeting new people and connecting because at the end of the day, we're all in this together. And, uh, you know, I heard uh, a quote, um, Dr. Jody Carrington. I don't know if you if you know who Dr. She has some great books out there mm -hmm. and she's a phenomenal speaker. And she always gives this uh, quote by Ram Das, I think. And it's something along the lines is we're all here just to walk each other home. And uh, I think that's... Uh, my mentality. So I'm here for, for you guys and, and would love to connect. Love that. I really, oh my gosh. All right, Brian, you got a lot of mantras. I got to start posting up in my office. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, let's stay in touch, my friend, and uh, we'll have to do this again for sure. 100%. Okay. Thanks, Brian. Thank you, Charlie.